Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Aaron. And this is Southern Stories. Southern Stories is the show where we talk to real people about the South. Real people, everyday people like me, like you, like Aaron, like our guest, previous and future. And our guest today is Sam Brown. Woo! Yeah, you know him. Sam Brown. Maybe. Ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you know him. Maybe not. Well, the only reason I would suggest that you might know him is because he wrote a book. Maybe you've heard of it. Mm. Last Baby Angel. Sound familiar? Uh, no. Yeah. Well, it's not. You can't actually get the book anymore. But, but it was at uh, one time yeah, available. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Um, but yeah, and we didn't. Uh, Sa- Sam talks a little bit about his book, Last Baby Angel, and uh, maybe we go ahead and play a little clip of that from a YouTube video uh, where he reads a little section of the first chapter. I can hear daddy's voice saying, Little Rock's safe until something happens. I don't remember when he said it, or where, or why he thought I needed to know. I just remember his voice. I can hear it like he's here right now. I'm standing here with the grasshoppers buzzing through the tall grass, and the weeds growing up over what's left of this place. And I think it's funny how you remember things from when you were little. Some things you let slip away into a corner at the back of your mind. Yeah, so that was Sam, um, backed by the Cons of Format, which we talk a little bit about as well in the episode. Uh, we'll post a, a link to that full video on the blog. Uh, it, uh, but we didn't talk uh, about that a whole lot. We, we talked a little bit about uh, Sam's uh, life growing up in small town Salem, Arkansas. Um, we talked a little bit about his... Uh, his travels go living in texas for a little while also his observation of the sort of changing southern landscape um and yeah and he kind of he kind of defined the south through the working class which is an interesting lens to to view the south through i think yeah and i think he elucidates a few things that we haven't really fully discussed about how uh uh the workforce is changing and the types of jobs that people are doing these days in the South and uh, where he thinks that sort of thing is going to go with future generations. Yeah, it, it was, I was, I was glad to have him. It was mm-hmm. a good episode. All right. Well, without any further ado, here is Sam Brown's Southern story. For the most part, it hadn't been too much of an issue. But yeah, I am a hand talker. But see, that's the thing about talking with your hands is probably most of the time it's not necessary. I guess. I, I no, I think it's super helpful. You think? Oh, you think? And like face to face. And face to face. Not yeah. with you. But my, my hand gestures, I think, are just kind of. <laughs> so it's not. <laughs> There's always you always usually have a pin. There's a pin involved. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's good to hold some. And I found too that like when in teaching. That's that, more of when I've seen it. It's yeah, more. because I, I know that I talk with my hands, and it's also like a comfort thing. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. like I feel more, like if I'm kind it's of walking around, I don't know phallic. what to do with myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. Phalluses <laughs> are comforting for yeah. you. We learn stuff all the time on the show. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> it might be for all teachers. I don't know. Yeah. But you hold a book, or you hold it, because, you know, I teach literature yeah. so you hold a yeah. book or you hold a pen and if you hold the book it has to be a paperback that you can <laughs> wad into a phallus like thing uh, <laughs> sort of I guess, roll it over yeah although <laughs> I'm usually pretty careful with the books it's kind of a conscious thing maybe holding the books the best so that I'll be conscious of mm-hmm. it and it will be less phallic there you go. Oh, wait, oh, so you're wanting to say that you don't in fact find them comforting is that what your angle holding is holding something whatever it is really but you, you're saying that you want to fold the book or hold it normally so that it's not yeah, phallic? Yeah, hold it. No, no. That, okay. I'm not really conscious of that. I was just... Okay. <laughs> I was applying that logic in Let's reverse. talk about this, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did this podcast become about me? That's what I Well, I think we're covering some, some really good ground here. You might yeah. want to shift the theme of this one. Anyway, so... <laughs> Sam Brown. Yes. So, um... 
you know, the format of this show is pretty simple. We just kind of, it's totally organic, so there's no, we don't structure it in any way. We're not looking for anything in particular. So the direction that you go with it is the direction that you go with it, and we follow your... I'm already bringing up phallic we, stuff. So. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's a fine direction if that's your thing. <laughs> but at least now we know that that's not all on me. Okay. So, but you know, we usually we kind of say we start with childhood, and then we kind of. Okay. One of the things I think is really interesting is the way that people's childhoods play out. A lot of times, from my perspective, this tends to be the most interesting parts of the show. I think just the way that people remember their childhood is. Yeah. Who was it said that? All all any writer needs is like the first eighteen years of his or her life. Yeah. So anything that that happens after that is pretty much Hmm. useless as a writer yeah and uh, I memory plays an interesting function in that regard you know it's like I think it, we had a guest John Griggs was on a while back and he said he noted that it's like I'm not even sure if my memory is correct on these things you know mm-hmm. and so especially when you're remembering that far back it's yeah. like over time you've constructed something right. that <laughs> yeah. may not be at all true and it was mm-hmm. uh yeah, see, in my, in my opinion, you just basically just, you know, just go with it. I mean, I I make half of it up yeah, as I well, go along, usually. I, well, <laughs> nobody, nobody can prove you wrong, no, exactly. I guess. Now <laughs> so we're at a... Well, he brought up the structure of the show. He talked about childhood, and then you immediately went to a quote about writing or how it references writing, mm-hmm. which I guess I'd like to start somewhere a little different, if that's okay with you. That's not, no. Um, <laughs> let's start with where you are now. Um so we mentioned kind of tongue in cheek that you're a celebrity. Yeah. You're like the most celebrated <laughs> individual who's been on the show. I'm the most um, famous like, man in Benton, y'all. Because uh, <laughs> you've gotten something published out there, stuff that yeah. the world can see, and you are an individual who is the source of that. Uh, so, like, how is that now? How is that your? How is your life now with that? And then maybe because the reason I want to ask you where you are now as opposed to how you got back to it is because I am assuming that writing is just something that's ingrained in you. It's like, yeah, but you know, it's weird. Cause I didn't, I didn't consider myself a writer until I was 25, 24 years old. I mean, I didn't, well, I didn't. how old are you now? 29. Okay. So not really that long. Um, so, so what do you do now? Like, do you still write? I do, uh, yeah. Um, and what's the title of your book? That's... The title of my novel, which is actually not in print as of now, the company sort of tanked, is uh, The Last Baby Angel. Okay. And it's a novel about a six-year-old girl whose father's a drug dealer. And so uh, sort of how her, her opinion of him changes. Is it, is, I guess it's from her perspective. Yeah, it's from her, her it's, it's from her perspective. She's actually 16 looking back on herself as six, but she regresses as she narrates. So it's more or less narrated from a six-year-old's perspective, or at least my understanding. And it takes place having not in ever been a six-year-old South, girl. It takes place in Arkansas. It takes right? place in central Arkansas. In Well, I... I say Little Rock, but it's really a lot of Pulaski and Saline County. Did you say he was a drug dealer or a user? He's a, he's a. I guess he, both. It's implied that he also uses, but he's really he's a meth cook. That's what he is. I see. Um, what was the inspiration for something like that? Uh, Did you watch Breaking Bad? <laughs> no, actually, I didn't know. Or Winter's Bone. Um, no, I, I started out as a story. About, uh, my dad had a friend who is in prison now, and he got into some trouble with drug dealing, and um, and so he got convicted and sent, he's on death row. Uh, so a, a story from that, or at least some of the material came from that, and then I also just really wanted to talk about, I don't know why I wanted to talk about the father-daughter relationship, but I just really did. Um, and so I started to develop that with, along with the, the drug crimes thing and it just sort of bloomed from there and turned into its own thing. But I used a lot of the landscapes from around here. Yeah. And there's a, 
Although people may not be able to get a hold of the book, though, there is a. Hopefully, one day they, I'm working on that. Trying yeah, to get well, it back that'd be out good, there. and we will promote it too. <laughs> well, I'll promote whatever, it. however <laughs> useful that will be. It's a, it's because it's an excellent book, and um, it actually it sounds like it. something that'd be right up my alley. I like the father daughter thing, and I can give you, I can get you a copy. I've got some, in, I got some in my closet. Oh, that would actually, yeah, that'd be okay. awesome if not I'll just to borrow, to you. you know. You can have it, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Uh, and we can play, a, there's a YouTube video, I know, that's uh, yeah, yeah, reading me. a section mm-hmm. from, and that's pretty good. And we can Along play a clip. The, the cons of format. We can play a clip play from background that. music. I'm going to shamelessly plug somebody. Yeah, the cons of format. <laughs> the cons of format. Is that yeah. something else that you produce? Or? No, 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 that's just a, my buddy's band. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that's not shameless at all. Plug away. <laughs> well, it might be, but it's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, and there's also, I know that there's a, a in, to some extent, a screenplay of your book out there. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually, yeah. Me and Brad Minnick, mm-hmm. who, of course, you know, and you, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and then also Frank Thurmond, uh, who teaches at Euler. Mm hmm. Uh, there we are pushing that as a as a movie it's a screenplay so i don't know we'll see that's kind of a hurry up and wait scenario yeah yeah that's cool um uh, I'm, i know i'm excited to see it I'm, I'm looking forward to the yeah i'm sure you are yeah it's <laughs> a big deal um but uh so yeah well, so with that like so what do you how long ago was that published 2012 Okay, so what is that? Three years now. Mm-hmm, about three years. Um, so, what are you doing now? Like right now, I'm teaching. Actually, uh, last year I was teaching at McClellan High School. So, not I'm not living a glamorous life or anything. <laughs> um, so, to to answer your question of how it's changed my life, absolutely it hasn't. Do you have um, any more like whatever? Oh yeah, ideas? yeah, yeah. I'm work. I'm working on. Well, I've got one that I need to finish editing called the tenor that's about um it's also set in arkansas and it's based on uh the high school i went to which was benton high school um or at least it's sort of set in a school that's like that about a kid with tourette's who becomes the lead tenor in his high school choir (laughs) through a series of unfortunate circumstances well i guess ultimately fortunate but he doesn't think so uh so so there's that and that's what's really an adolescent novel and geared towards teens but then i've got another one called three acre cemetery also set in saline county very much saline county a place a lot like benton is it like within the books universe is it saline county there or is it just no it's actually it's a place called hope springs okay um which is sort of a mix of all you know you can you can kind of do the math yourself usually on hot springs hope Mm. arkansas and then it looks a lot like benton at least in my head, but uh, but anyway, it's a, it's a different one. It's it's about um, it's kind of a love story about a guy who's a musician, but who's a musician whose music nobody gets or likes. Uh, so he shamelessly performs this music that he knows everybody hates. He's also a, a pretty bad alcoholic, and then a girl who moves to Hope Springs uh, to sort of start her own life away from her parents, and then they meet. Do you have any propositions for publishing that, or is that just... No, um, it's going to be real artsy-fartsy, I guess. Is, I, I can't think of another term for it. It's going to be real literary. And um, and so, I, I don't know, I don't... i, I got to finish it first, you know. I'm yeah, about sure. halfway through with it. Yeah. So. so now we've got a little bit of information on kind of like how your mind works in some ways. It, it, there's some interesting themes that you brought up. It's like you've got the the southern atmosphere the background and the setting for these places and then like i guess you've got the individuals who are flawed in some way kind of like the heroes Mm. Um, yeah yeah it's like so having that information which i mean i guess every or protagonist has to stand out but anyway like so what did you draw from your childhood like let's go back now Mm. and see if there is some correlation I absolutely and the the one that's uh, the last baby angel, um, you know a lot a lot of the the like I said the landscapes and even to a certain extent the people and the way they talk are from when I was younger, 
Um, so where were you? Where were you born? In Benton at Salim Memorial Hospital. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then I was raised in a villa in Salem, in Benton. And then, uh, except for one year when we moved to Batesville. Man, that's weird that we never crossed paths, because I guess I'm the same age as you. Yeah, I am. Did you go to Salem? I lived in Salem for a while, but I went to Bryant High School. Well, I mean, I probably know most of the people you know. Uh, Philip McGarry. I don't remember anybody who I graduated with. (laughs) (laughs) I feel kind of ashamed to say that now. (laughs) It's a blurry part of your life. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people who would have graduated. 2004? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I know a lot of the people that you would have graduated with. And Salem in Arkansas is a rural sort of area. Um, it's not so, Benton, it's not Bryant, it's sort of its own little area. Yeah, yeah whereas Benton and Bryant would be well, they're just like more, more developed. More urban, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And especially Becoming now. a lot more developed, yeah. But, uh, so you, I guess you spent then a, a lot of time outdoors. and. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had a couple acres growing up out in Salem, and so I was out there all the time catching things mm. you know, <laughs> mm. you know uh, I mean that's a good place to go traipsing around because uh, mm. I mean we did it when we were like 16 walking oh, up and yeah, down yeah, Salem and oh yeah what, like what kind of stuff do you have any specific remembrances that come to mind that were really just that stood well, out t- take us through a typical oh, day in, the li- in a childhood life of Sam yeah. Brown <laughs> <laughs> I don't know man uh Mm. I'm tr- I say I was trying to think of something interesting to talk about. Oh, it's all interesting. It's it's so not. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I spent ninety percent of my days outside. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what's the age? Uh, uh, we're talking. We're talking. When I lived out in a villa, I was four, all the way, and then we moved to Batesville when I was eleven. So we lived out in Salem between those years. Um, so, you know, I mean, I, I was, we lived on the, on the, uh, on this little road, y'all may or probably know it, Leanne Lane, and, uh, it's down past Metro, Mm -hmm. you're heading towards West Pulaski, and it was just a chip and seal road, and so, dead end, uh, we knew all the neighbors, there weren't that many of us, and, uh, and so I would ride my bicycle up and down that road like all day. Um, Did you? You had your mom and your dad living with you. Like, yeah, it was me. Still married. Or? Yeah, yeah, it was my mom and my dad, and then my two sisters. Mm, neighborhood friends. Yeah, a guy named Joe Farner who had a really big French Mastiff dog, <laughs> who was scary as hell. Can I curse on this? Or is this? Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I don't um trying to think of. My dad wasn't around a lot because he was working all the time. What did he do? Uh, he's a heating and air technician, so he worked pretty much all the time. My mom was sick. She had uh, autoimmune hepatitis, and so she, um, you know, she, she was always on steroids. She had a lot of, it attacked her liver, uh, and so she was just, she was always really sick, and so um that's probably why we were outside a lot, actually, so that she could be alone. But, uh, you know, uh, grasshoppers, lizards. and Did you ever eat a grasshopper? I what? didn't. I didn't. I can't say that I did. Oh. To my knowledge. Not me neither. Least. <laughs> <laughs> Just makes me wonder why it came to mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I spent a lot of time outside in the woods, uh, you know. That was that was pretty normal, which is strange because like now I've got my niece and my nephew, my oldest sister's kids, and they're like they're the least outdoorsy kids I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, they live in Bryant, but um, well, did your I, sisters I, go out in the woods? With yeah, you that's what's too? so weird. Is my older sister was so like she was she was more outdoorsy than I was as, when we were kids, and now her she's like anti. She's like she hates bugs. She won't let them play outside and. <laughs> Hmm. It's really weird how she's changed. 
I wonder if sometimes I've motherhood changes people like that too. I yeah, I guess it could. Yeah, it does. Um, well, that's something else we've been discovering as of late. With well, with Andrea, remember she was. It's like we had this dichotomy, like from when we were kids, and we would do stuff like this. Now, like I don't let my kids do that. She didn't mm. let her kids really go very far either. Yeah, I guess your sister. I don't know. I'm really curious about that. How the it has times shi- it's changed. shifted, and I can't figure out why. I've got theories, but. I, yeah. Well, there's a there's some, to some, I don't know how much we want to get into that, but I guess there's to Sorry, some extent. Sorry, I'm really steering like, this away. From uh, <laughs> a lot of, no, I, I was I, I a lot took of the reins. Kind of scares people too. So I mean, we live sort of in a yeah. A, a if it happens, in, if it happens anywhere, you hear about it. Yeah. So you didn't. You said you didn't start even thinking about writing until your adulthood, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you do? What was your interests? Yeah, you know maybe a little older than you were when you were 11, but at what point did your interests start developing and what were they? Um, well, you know, I was always really good at English. Um, it wasn't something I tried to be good at. I just was, but I hated school. Mm-hmm. Um, although I do remember trying to, I wrote my first quote novel. I'm doing the quote thing with my fingers. Um, <laughs> uh, when I was like six at my grandma's house and I think I wrote like two pages before I quit. What was it about? A dragon. Oh man. In a castle and somehow or another there was going to be a hero. Is any of that left? Do you have? No. <laughs> no, I think it's unfortunate. And, and uh, yeah, I quickly got tired of it, went outside and look, <laughs> looked for lizards. And pretended to fight dragons. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so I don't know, maybe I had the bug and didn't realize it. But, um, my interest, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I always thought that because my dad was a heat and air guy and my whole family was real sort of blue collar. And so I always assumed that I, that's what I was going to do. And out of high school, that's what I did do. I, I worked as a duct runner for a heat and air company for a while. So like during high school, um, you didn't have anything like really extracurricular that kind of drove your ambition I, or whatever? I played, no, I played soccer for a little while, but again, I was always working. Um, that was really, I got my first job when I was 15, working at an ice, actually out in Salem, an ice plant, uh, hmm. bagging ice and delivering it to gas stations uh, because there was always this idea of like it was my, I don't know, the idea of working was always a big deal. Mm-hmm. to me because I, I guess because I'd seen my dad do it that way so um, so I did a lot of a lot of work when I was it's like a lot of manual labor kind of work mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I know I you told me your dad that I don't know why I recall this but a, a punishment that you received oh, yeah. as a child was <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd go. I'd, if I got in trouble, he'd make me go pick up rocks. Yeah, and I had a little red wagon, and so I'd have to pick up rocks for it seemed like hours. But and that was that was the punishment. Was so there was always manual labor, and I was the only son, and so uh, you yeah. know I, I tended to get stuck with the <laughs> with the labor. But I was I was working a weed eater when I was like six. Yeah, which is kind so. of. <laughs> and I know you mowed you mow a. You still do this, right? Most yeah, I still do. Yeah. Of, it's but, chained to me. Which is odd because you're you're an educator now, and that's <clears throat> it's really interesting to to your your path from manual labor, outdoorsy yeah. kind of kid uh, to pasty, being able to buckle down, sit down, write. You know, I mean, because I know that writing requires. Um, I, I'm a teacher. I, yeah, you know. I have never been able to really sit down and it's not something that to hash out something like that. So I know it takes a lot of drive. I I think it really comes down more to like, I've never quite figured out what I want to do. So I've always just jumped around. Um, Yeah. I'm in that boat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It, um, I mean, I, I, I do, I I can write, uh, I can't, I can't not have the manual labor Mm -hmm. and that's where the, the cemetery which has actually, in some ways, been sort of the muse for Three Acre Cemetery that I'm writing. Hmm. It, I have to have sweat. Um, you know, it's it's something that it's almost like, and 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 I don't know, it's it's a guilt thing, I guess. But I feel like if I'm not doing some sort of manual labor, then uh, then I, it's like. Um, 
I'm not doing my duty as a human being somehow. And it spills over too into like uh, fixing things, right? Actually, uh, recently my truck, Truck Norse, which... Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's you. Yeah, Yeah, that's me. Because Grant, he talked about that truck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We had a guest on that has seen your vehicle (laughs) driving. Yeah, it's famous. We need to get a picture. It's definitely more famous than I am. (laughs) But yeah, so I've got this old blue '95 Ford F-150, and it tends to break. It's got two hundred sixty thousand miles on it, but it recently broke, and it was the distributor, and so I was supposed to. I had it at a shop to get it diagnosed because I didn't know what it was. They told me it was the distributor, and they were they they had it fixed already, and they were going to charge me a hundred and twenty five bucks. And so my pride got it in the way very quickly, and I said, "No, I can do this." You know, because I I had worked on distributors before, and so I actually had them unfix it. <laughs> they didn't charge you for that. No, they just charged me a twenty five dollar diagnosis fee, but. I, I don't think I made any friends, and uh, and and so I, 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 they pulled it out into their parking lot, and I let it sit there until they closed, and then I went back and I worked on it in their parking lot for about three or four hours, until I finally realized, indeed, I could not fix this, um, but I had to, and there was like this, this, there's like this, this sort of demon on my back all the time saying, you have to be able to fix things. And it happens all the time, um, and there's always something breaking. So I, I have plenty of you know opportunities to do that to myself. But I ended up having to pay double because I had to get it towed. Oh goodness! And fixed. And I and I was so ashamed of not having let them fix it in the first place that I wouldn't take it back to their shop. So I, I had it towed like four miles down the road to Two another shop. Jobs. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Um, oh, and it, and before I did that, actually, when I decided when I found out that I couldn't fix it, I had my sister who has a, like a four wheel drive SUV come up, and we towed my truck down the service road for a couple of miles to my house, uh, which is I think I think it's illegal, but um, <laughs> we didn't get pulled over, so. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, any, anyway, so I, I, work is a big deal. Well, where do you think that comes from? I mean, do you think it's just like from your dad? Yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah, my dad, my grandpa, um, uh, you know, becoming becoming like an English teacher or becoming somebody who does, you know, like we think for a living, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's mental work. Uh, it's so different from what, traditionally the men in my family have done that there's always a little bit of guilt uh, I have these moments where I, where I you know sort of realize that I technically don't do anything for a living I mean you do as a teacher and of course we know that teachers matter but uh, you know there's there's a, there's a guilt of well, even- not fixing things not sweating not doing some sort of job it's also very difficult too in a field like that because if you like if you think of mowing the cemetery right you go out you mow the cemetery yeah, and when you're done oriented. you can look yeah. at it and see okay it is mowed yeah. here's the right. product of my work but sometimes in education yeah. it's it's not always immediately apparent like what did i do eventually it's, it comes back around right well i mean you, you would hope it comes back around well, i mean i, mean, I know mean, that i've had students return and talk to me and say, here's what I'm doing. And then yeah. you think, oh, okay. Something that I did here played a part in your right. life, and that's great. But it's hard to see it immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can I can see at any rate how that would be yeah. uh, a struggle for you. Um, but because like, I know that it's funny because I've had very few experiences with your dad, but I remember him picking you up from the airport once when we went to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. We came back and he picked you up in the airport and he... He hugged you and you, he, he made some kind of comment about, like, how you doing? And you said your back was sore. And he, he joked, it's all those books you carry around all yeah. the time. Yeah, and I remember is. thinking, that, <laughs> that's definitely the kind of joke <laughs> I can see coming from somebody. Yeah, he just didn't, he didn't get it. Um, yeah. And so there's half of me that doesn't get it still. And so there is, and I mean, you, I mean, you you do manual labor now too. Um, yeah. You know, you work at, I mean, so you've, you kind of understand how it, 
it's two di- two very different worlds and they don't mix very well a lot of times um you've told me how your coworkers sort of rag on you yeah it's a there's sort of running jokes yeah so it's thing, it's two different worlds um and i guess i've never really figured out how to uh to be a part of both of them but but writing allows me to do that because you know i i, I can use elements Mm-hmm. from both now do you see yeah okay so that's but that was the question i was just going to ask you because you if you if you think about like manual labor in terms of i could see the product of my work yeah. i think a lot of this sort of more sit down intellectual whatever and it, like in college and whatnot sometimes yeah. it's not always readily apparent what you've right. done except for maybe a grade or something like right. that but or the feeling that you get but when it can, you're writing, it can feel I guess, masturbatory. Yeah, I guess when you're writing, though, you can eventually there's a product that you can yeah, see, and that's the really good. Th- yeah, that's that's the good thing about it is that when you get done, you do have something. Yeah, and good, bad, ugly, it's it's yours. It's like your baby. Um, so there, yeah. there's there's the creative aspect to it that when you're fixing something, you don't get that e- either. So it's it's even better than manual labor because. Um, you anguish over this thing for way too long usually but in the end you have something that you made that nobody else could have made yeah and that that's really cool i yeah. have no idea how what that has to do with the south but um <laughs> well get ready <laughs> okay. i'm about to tie this I'm, in I'm, I'm waiting on you <laughs> no because i think uh, the teacher thing to i've happen. done <laughs> while i may not have written a, a book right i've for, throughout the course of my college career and and work and everything i've done plenty of writing and I love, like, I can totally corroborate that experience. I love the feeling that once you, you, you feel like you've at least mostly finished something, you turn it in, and there's sort of a, mm-hmm. a weight off of it. You want to know how people respond. Right. You, you can see it. You can look at it. Even the physical pages, right? There's something so satisfying about that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had um, Andrea Lunsford on recently, and uh, she she talked about because she, she had gone to school to be a, a first grade teacher, elementary teacher, something like that, and uh, and didn't follow through with it. So she, yeah. she did an internship. She decided that that wasn't what she wanted. Um, and then she went and worked in an office and got to the point where she hated it. And now she works in the same factory where I'm currently employed part-time. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that she said was that... Uh, she likes there's an aspect of manual labor that she likes because she can see right visually mm-hmm. what she's completed there's something there physical that she can look at and right. put out for examination or whatever it's there here's mm-hmm. what i've done i can see it and you're saying kind of the same thing and um i'm saying kind of the same thing and i'm thinking because she also grew up in a very rural part of arkansas yeah and spent a lot of time outdoors and things like that mm. and I wonder if there's some... I see where you're going yeah. with this. I wonder if there's some element, southern element in that, you know? There's sort of a... Yeah, I think so. And I think I think you can see it. the culture. I mean, look at the way Benton has changed since we were kids. Um, the culture of Benton. It, it's, it is quickly becoming more of a, of a... Of a white collar sort of a place to be. Yeah, um, it's different. It's... Uh, it, most people now don't do manual labor um, like our parents did, or especially not like our grandparents did. And I think that, <clears throat> and I think that, that 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 there's a guilt for all of us to feel like we're we're not work. We don't feel like we're working. Mm-hmm. I don't know. At least I, maybe I can't speak for everybody like that, but I I do. I, well, you can speak for yourself. Yeah, and if that. and one of the questions that you had on your sheet was, you know, what does the South mean to you? And it, um, for me, it means it means manual labor, and it, and and you know, and I I can't, even though I'll I don't I mean, I'd be an idiot to want to sweat if I can get paid the same or better, you know, doing something that's that's less physical. I would say, but then there's a there's there's a guilt that I have for not being the blue collar worker because that's what I came from. I mean, my grandparents on both sides, my mom's parents and my dad's parents were sharecroppers. 
Mm. So only two generations back, they were really, I mean, they were workers. Yeah. And my parents, their generation were factory workers or service workers or something, but they worked. And then my generation, we all, we have, I mean, <clears throat> all three of us, me and my, both my sisters have degrees. Um, most of my family has, they have degrees and they have these jobs. We have these jobs where we don't, we don't work in the same sense that our, our parents or our grandparents did. And so I think that, uh, that that's a hard transition for us. Yeah. And I, I've got a thought here. I'm going to try and keep it as brief as I can um, because it's in my head. It sounds really, I'm already getting lengthy with just the preface <laughs> ahead, of it. But <laughs> Please. So <laughs> it's like when you have, it's like a time okay, thing, well, right? That's too much, buddy. You're gonna have to. We have a, a time uh, difference between these th- three generations, but in each one they have a mass you know, consumer responsibility to work and provide for the economy. Right mm-hmm. back then, right. they had to do sharecropping and whatever, and then factories for the next generation. And now it's like that kind of employment is not required on that scale. I mean, is that correct so far, do you think? Or It's is... been either, I think you could, you, you could argue that for the, well, I mean. Because now it's like more and more people will mm-hmm. work, like, the same amount of people are working, if not more. Right. right. And the jobs are still there. It's just you have to look at who's doing them. And around here, anyway, it usually is either high school kids or it's, uh, it's you know, immigrant labor. Mm-hmm. A lot of Latin men work in construction now. They do the work. And then if you're Caucasian, you tend to be the guy. I, mean, I, I joke, my, my wife is Guatemalan, so... You know, I, I since meeting her, I've I've learned to see the world very differently. And one thing I notice is, like, if you see like a landscaping company or or they're they're working on the new KFC, you know, yeah, they moved ten feet down the road. Yes. <laughs> um, well, it's always it's always you know a dozen Latinos working, and then you'll have the white guy sitting in the truck eating a cheeseburger. Oh, you mean, okay. I think. And so, yeah, so I think that, 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 that there's a shift. And, 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 and I know it's everywhere, but since we're talking about the South, it's in the South. It's in Arkansas. There's a shift. They are they are what our grandparents were. Right. So it's like that, like working hard, definitely even, in, you know, I agree that it seems like a very Southern thing, like out in the fields, like whatever, mm-hmm. back in the day, picking cotton and such, but uh it's like does that happen because the south the culture of the south is kind of disappearing with this new thing Again, though, I, yeah i don't think it's disappearing i just think it's shifting i think that uh i think that that your new sharecroppers are these immigrant laborers who come in and who aren't inherently southern, right? Is that right? It? But but they are. They are. They are. They're the new South. I mean, this is the South. If we're talking geographically, it is the South. Right. The culture of the South, like what everybody waving their you know rebel flags around is thinking, it hasn't existed for a hundred years. Hmm. But they are the South. They are. They're the. They're the sharecroppers. Okay. So then, and so like, well, the the white males who once. We're the ones who are doing all this. Where do they go? Where are we? Because that's what well, we're I mean, part that's, of, that's right? what I think. That's what I think is interesting is that you 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 have and it's and of course I can't. I mean, it's, there's there's so many exceptions to this that I don't know if you can call it even the rule. But you see enough of it. You see they have degrees. They they are if they're in construction, it's construction management. Right. It's like that's the new like right. dream is to be right. in management or white collar. Or right. Something. But there's the we're we're moving ourselves out of that um out of what what we still have a pride about, which is that hard working um down home sort of a way of, of life. But it does exist. It does exist and uh you know, if you go over on Highland Street, over behind the middle school, and you see all the Mexican families that live over there, that's that's it now. I mean, it's 
it's just shifted. I don't know how I got on this necessarily, well, so, yeah. but I'm just saying I think I think it really has shifted. Well, so what do you think it means though for the for people of our generation as well as the older and what's the new the ones that we're bringing into the world? Like, oh, as Lord. far as the Southern culture, like it's shifting. Where is it going? Mm. So here's the thing, right? You're, God knows you're going to be a father soon. Yeah. Yes. Um, it is the landscape and the culture of the South going to be the same for your child as it was for you growing up? I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think. I mean, because it's not the same now, is it? Mm-hmm. It's. Um, I mean, I, I have. I have the curse and the privilege of as as we all do sitting here at this table of being in the same place i was born were you born you were born here uh i was born in stuttgart but i you know close yeah you know i mean you and so you know we're we're we were born and we're still here in the same place and i mean i don't think any of us here would say that it's the same uh it's very 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 different and so imagine for for our kids. I mean, your your sons, and you have a yeah daughters daughters. So I, I mean, think of what it's gonna be. It's only been think about when we graduated, even hmm. two thousand and four. I mean, it's it's so much different now. So I think it's gonna keep shifting. In some ways, that's a good thing. But there is um there is a. I don't think you can deny that there's a there's a, a there's something racial going on, and there's always been the black white thing in Arkansas, but now that now it's a black white brown thing. It's and there's a, there's going to be a lot of interesting shifts. I think because when you talk about the Latin population that's that's here now and growing quickly, it's not just a color thing. It's a language thing. It's a cultural thing. A whole different way of life. If you're black or white, if you grew up here, we share a common ancestry and a common past. The people who are coming here from other countries, from Mexico, from Guatemala, from Honduras, don't have that. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to shift everything. So when we're old men... I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be a lot different. <laughs> because, and if you think about, I mean, the South is where a lot of the Hispanic workers come. It's where a lot of the agriculture is. Um, from North Carolina up there, where the where they have all the you know the, the killing floors for the hogs, down to Arkansas where you have the poultry, down to Georgia where you got the cotton. It's it's Mexican and Latin immigrant farm labor. And you know, so the the South is the South is where yeah. the, the the Latin boom is happening, and where it's going to continue to happen. Atlanta's got a huge Hispanic population right now, and it just keeps growing. It's a really interesting uh, take. We haven't heard the perspective of like the culture through the workforce. It's something that's yeah. New well, to you show. can. I think you can. That's that's what drives everything. The poor are the ones who drive everything um and so when if if you want to see what it's going to be like look at the people who are who are doing those jobs right now yeah i can see that i guess um and as and as educators we we're we see it i mean we see the sons and the daughters of these people who are coming in from other countries and working and you know there's and and unfortunately we see some of the the racism that happens because of there there being such a difference or the prejudice i guess is a better term because yeah. of all these differences in culture and like uh, the animosities of like oh they're we're losing our jobs and such to well, i mean that's that right. really and true it's, and, and to be, and it's it seems a lot more acceptable for people to do that now whereas we've come a long way with black white relations in the country it's like um that the same doesn't seem to apply in a lot of ways to to Latinos, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um. So, if you uh, how what then? Where we're at now, even what what do you think it means to be Southern Oof. in today's generation? I mean, a million different things. Uh. 
You know what's funny, actually, is when I was in El Paso, I met a guy from Missouri, and he swore up and down that Arkansans were Midwesterners, huh. just like Missourians. And I just thought that was so crazy. But then I, but then I've talked to other people too who don't. Most of the time, they don't know where to put us on a map. I think as Arkansans, to be Southern is completely different. Um, we're sort of the redheaded stepchild of the South. I think nobody likes us. Nobody wants us. The Mid <laughs> Midwest usually doesn't want to claim us. The well, South, Florida gets that rap too. Sometimes. Yeah, the South usually doesn't want to claim. Yeah, but the, but Florida has a huge northern population that settled mm-hmm. down not to mention the latin population in the very tip in miami but arkansas is i mean it it's i think i think one of the statistics that we we have the it's more white people here than anything else and our 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 we're not that diverse as far as southern states go i mean Georgia has Atlanta, which is a really diverse city. I was saying it's got a huge Hispanic population, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I think to I think to be Arkansan is to like be an identity crisis all the time about where you're from because because <laughs> you don't because we're in the borderlands, man. When nobody knows <laughs> Texas, Texas thinks we're North Texas. The rest of the South thinks that we're Midwest. Or Southwest, um, Oklahoma sure doesn't want us, uh, and so we're just kind of stuck here. <laughs> so to be Southern, I don't know. I think it's. I think it's. Um, hmm. I don't. I don't know. I, I think to to me to me it's it's somewhere between wanting to get out and then and then not and then having. I mean that's what I tried to do. I got I got out for a little while, and then I had a. Uh, I had a rubber band stretched from here a thousand miles away, and it and it eventually snapped me back. Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't stand to be gone, so I think that uh, that that has something to do with it. Well, what'd you miss? Man, I can't even tell you. Uh, it it wasn't any it wasn't it wasn't like family or anything. I love my family, but that that's not what brought me back. It was some, I mean, it's something like the smell of the place, um, the way it feels when it's really hot and you kind of have to chew and swallow the air right now. Yeah. It's like that outside. Um, the storms, uh, the being anywhere and you bump into somebody who's a complete stranger. But if you talk to him for five minutes, you realize that you got, you've got a connection through family or church or something. There's always a connection. Seems like, people around here um it's, it's like it's almost like something chemical it seems it seems to be I one thing that that seems uh pretty unified in your description is that it, it's like identity and i feel like the a lot of what you're describing is just like that's where your identity is and that's what pulls you back and you feel yeah yeah and i, th- and I think that happens for a lot of us they say that Arkansans have a boomerang strapped to their ass. Yeah. And so you can throw it as far as you want, but it's going to come back. And I think that I think that that's true for us. And I think that not for everybody, but for those of us who were born here, especially if you're multi generational, maybe that maybe this applies to the rest of the South too. I don't know. I can only speak for here, but it's you. You are a part of this place, and you're never really going to not be a part of it I mean you're you are you are the makeup of this area and so <clears throat> you know I mean there's there's you the dirt that's on your shoes is never gonna come off and you're always either gonna want to be back or you're gonna be heading back yeah well uh you know I'm got found two problems with your metaphors <laughs> hey man you told me it was unscripted <laughs> but we haven't started recording yet. <laughs> God, are you ready <laughs> this is a warm-up. i'm a writer not a talker <laughs> i can't get a. I i never can get a boomerang to come back i've tried 
And when my boots get dirty, I just get new ones. So I'm not sure. What... That seems really impractical. You also said bin 10. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the guy, too, that gets me really hard for that. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I think... <laughs> You're the, you are the most southern person I know. I always oh, think God. that that's. I, I told um, I know a, a mutual friend of ours <laughs> after you left for Texas a while back when you were still down there in school, mm. and uh, she said something about like she asked if like I, if I thought you would come back when you were done. I said that guy's got Arkansas in his blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. If he, if he if it's somebody true. cuts him down in Texas, Texas will become <laughs> Arkansas like that. <laughs> but yeah, so and you did. You're back, and uh, you know I'm, we're better I'm for here it. To, I'm here to stay, man. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, for, uh, the, for better or worse, I'm here. <laughs> it's uh, I think it's for the better, you know. But uh, I'm a little biased. <laughs> um, but okay, so. Uh, I, I don't know if you're ready for this one, but we, no. uh, you, you've been pretty, you've told some pretty strongly Southern stories up to this point, but we do like to ask, uh, if you, if you can think of just like one story that you think Jesus. really characterizes the South that you think really just embodies yeah, the Southern. Yeah. Through you in some way. Through me, like something that happened to yeah, me? That you were, you're involved somehow. I mean, well, I mean, if for, as for example, we, we had a guest that told a story that involved his father, mm-hmm. you know? And so it, that he's included in that in some way. He just thought that that was a particularly Southern story. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. This is maybe a, not very good, but I, I recently came back when I came back from Texas, um, and this ties into what I was talking about with the work. Right, my grandpa ha- has three acres in the middle of a uh, of a subdivision over in Bryant. It was a farm. He used to have a mule, pigs, chickens, everything, and it was just fields behind him. But since, it's sort of grown up into a subdivision, but he's still got it. He's got a barn, a couple of shops, a huge garden, um, yeah, but he's getting really old. He's got emphysema because he worked out at Alcoa plant, and so he, he ended up with asbestosis, and he's also smoked for years, so... Uh, he's got emphysema, asbestosis. He's just he's he's not in good shape anymore, and uh, and so I've I, growing up I've always helped him uh, do chores, whether that be helping in the garden, or uh, we built what I call chicken condos one time. Uh, they actually were built a lot like these yeah. sort of condos <laughs> that we're in right now, except they were for chickens. Um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, anyway, carpentry work, gardening, yard work, that kind of stuff. I, I grew up just helping me, always pay me. And um, but coming back, he needed help. <clears throat> he needed help. Uh, he has this. He has this RV. Another thing you need to know about my grandpa is he he comes from the generation where they don't get rid of anything, anything. Um, and so <laughs> he had this. He has this this old camper trailer that is just full of boxes of he was a preacher um and so after after he retired from Alcoa so he's it's full of boxes of old hymnals and books on christianity and then uh, and then there's sewing machines and then there's old clothes that my grandma has gotten over the years from going to carport sales and she won't get rid of any of them even though she can't wear them she doesn't even know what she's got it's just, I mean, you can't hardly walk into the place. <clears throat> he decided he was going to sell the camper trailer that all this stuff is in. So I go out there with my wife, who uh, who, who didn't know just what a pack rat my grandpa was, and, and I spend an entire morning unloading this trailer. And I end up with a pile about as big around as this table, four by four, whatever, three by four, uh, that that that's throwaway. The rest of it he can't stand to part with. Uh, and so we get it all out there, and it's all piled up on another trailer that he has. Uh, and then we we sit down for a while and just kind of talk. And he decides that no, he doesn't want to sell the trailer. 
So if you can imagine a 16-foot a trailer full of stuff that I've taken out of a camper, <laughs> I put it, I spend the, 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 the afternoon putting it all back in. And then because the roof was leaking, which is why he wanted to sell it in the first place because it's old and it's falling apart, the roof is leaking around where the, the, the air conditioning unit is on top. So he has he has me go out and buy a, like a 40 by 30 foot blue tarp. I bring it back and I throw the tarp over the entire camper. So what was a camper is now this big ass blue tarp sitting out in the middle of a three acre farm in the middle of a, a subdivision in the middle of Bryant. <clears throat> and rope it all down. <laughs> and he so he basically paid me to unload and reload <laughs> a, uh, a a camper and then throw a huge blue tarp over it and you know that's uh that's kind of how it always goes with him but uh but I did feel good about uh, I worked up a pretty good sweat. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much we accomplished. I, it pays the same. It I guess. pays the same, and there's something to that. I guess he was a union man, so <laughs> so you had insurance. Then, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know. That's not. I don't know how good that story is. But anyway, but that's uh. Nah, it's beautiful. Seems pretty southern to me. <laughs> I like. I wonder if there's a <laughs> a Google Map image of this blue tarped camper. So. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. Um, it's been on there for months now. Uh, all right. Well, do you have anything you want to plug? No, no. I think I plugged myself plugged out. <laughs> well, we appreciate you coming yeah, and doing this. It's been yeah. It's been fun. I, I don't. I, you know. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, and that was uh, Sam Brown. Um, yeah, it was. That was Sam Brown. <laughs> well, that was his story and our interview with him as and well. And he told it. Yeah. yeah. He so. was the source of a third of that audio. <laughs> yeah. I was the other third and Aaron was the other third. All three of us together made up that audio. That if you just got here, that's right. That's how that but, works. But you're at the end. You need to go back about fifty minutes or so. Yeah, sure. Unless you're one of those people that like reads the beginning of a book and then reads the end and then just puts it away. Yeah. Well, you know, however you do it, we're glad you're here. Yeah. Now. Sure. Sure. Thanks. Well. Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know. Uh, there's a you know a couple of things too that uh, I I don't I don't know how you felt about it but it's I've I'm I consider Sam a really great friend. Um, well, I hardly know him. Yeah. I just met him. This is that was the second time I got to meet him, and he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I still feel like I learned a lot, and uh, I appreciated a lot of his commentary on uh, the the way that the changing landscape of the South is functioning and uh I, I learned a little bit about him i think as a as a child i learned a little bit about little sam <laughs> that's the sam brown that i never met well i i, I like i liked his interpretation on things and it he just had a, a really charismatic just demeanor about him so yeah and we appreciate always appreciate when people are candid and sam's really good for uh, being frank about uh, his opinions and his thoughts about things and he likes to likes to share and discuss and so uh, he worked out as a guest um yeah so did you learn anything um i know that i'm i'm anticipating the arrival of the book that he promised me <laughs> um it's on the air so and i'm gonna be a little disappointed if that doesn't follow through but i'll give him some time okay you, i you, mean i'm a fan and waiting it's assumable that he's probably uh, listening. Well, maybe. I'd like to think he'd want to hear it, or somebody in his family, maybe. Yeah. Well, that. I, well, so that's not something I learned. That's just something that happened. Um, I don't know. I feel like because we picked his brain and it kind of went into the area of like I don't know what you would call it, like historical economic analysis. It yeah. was just an. An interesting train of thought, but I don't know if I learned anything. Yeah, I don't know. 
Well, I don't know either. I'm not very smart, so I don't learn a whole lot. Maybe you listeners learned something and you can tell us what that was. And uh, there's a new way to do that. So aside from being able to talk to us on Twitter, that's at bear underscore giraffe or Facebook. um, You can also now find us again on SoundCloud. Yes, we were there once, but we left. Mm -hmm. And now we're back. Sad day. And you can leave comments as you listen that's right so if you're at the favorite part of your audio thingy the audio clip you're like that thing that sam brown just said right there is hilarious i can insert it at that time and i'll have my little picture and and we'll be able to see it well thank you for that mini soundcloud tutorial well hey that saves you time you don't have to go to that tutorial on soundcloud now you can just click something and there you have it listeners uh go to soundcloud go to soundcloud if you like or you know itunes they're all reliable mm-hmm. as the apple people refer to it as mm-hmm. which i'm not sure if they do but you could rate us there too hey wouldn't that be nice yeah and you know i think we d- d- take a moment just to that's an appeal you know it for us to move forward i think that it really helps to have uh reviews so if you listen to the show just give us a mini review it'd be fine you don't have to write anything extensive but it would be so beneficial and help us move forward a lot yeah i guess the final thing i'll say on it i mean if you, if you like it if you listen to it week after week and you like it why not just click the button that says like yeah you know get, it takes a couple of seconds and it helps us out a lot give back a little bit we would really appreciate it help it. us keep doing it and you know help us move forward so that we could do it better yeah absolutely and uh you know that's that's all i have to say well, thank goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it for me as well. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. On Southern Stories. Moo. Mm-hmm.